Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places on the internet. We're live over on YouTube. We're live on Crowdcast. Or maybe you listen to the podcast later on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts is all good. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We have an amazing show for you all tonight that I'm very excited about. A little later in the show, we are going to be revealing our best comic books 2021. Very excited. A little nervous. We'll see what happens. Ah, so nervous. Guys, this is like our this is a big night for us. I don't know if you know this, but this is our 15th anniversary of wow. doing this show. 15 years. Feels Cheers like longer. To that, I uh, like I made a fancy drink based on our resident chef, CBC, uh CBC chef Brett Macris. It's a French 75, I believe. But cheers to our 15 years of doing the show. Ah, very mm. good. Um, this and I'm drinking the champagne of beers naturally because we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. So I want to break class it up in style. I am way up in the north. I'm on my iPhone hotspot doing this show. So I'm living on a prayer right now, really <laughs> on the edge. And I'm loving it. I'm it's freezing cold here. It's great. Yeah. So uh, thank you all. First of all, a very sincere message uh, to all of you listening out there. Whether you've been sticking us with with us for 15 years, 10 years, five years, however long it's been, one episode. That's all fine. We appreciate it. It's what keeps the show going. It's what keeps us doing the show. Otherwise, we'd be sitting in our houses muttering about comic books to ourselves. So thank you all muttering. so much. Uh, muttering. Shouts to, shouts to remember Edward Doherty in the comments. Remember back when Pete was the only one who had a beard? Remember? Right, the OG. I was the original. Yeah. You we, shaved We learned me. it by watching you. That's it. Start mm-hmm. the reverse trend. Let's see that pretty <laughs> baby face Pete we've been dying for. Punisher's rebranding. Let's see the Pete rebrand down to the bare skin. That's the worst way of saying it. But again, thank you so much. Uh, We really appreciate it. Very excited for 15 more years and then that's it, right? That's what we decided. Yep. 30 total, and then we're done. Yeah, we're kind of done. It's like a 30-year <laughs> fixed mortgage of friendship that we agree right. to, yeah. and we're just paying it in and paying it in every week. <laughs> uh, well, listen, before we get to the best comic books, though, uh, we do have a great guest for you yes. here on the show tonight who we're going to bring into the stream right now. Uh, he's one of the creators of Just Roll With It, new book that's out. Lee Durfee Lavoy. hello. Hey, hey. Nice hey, did I get even close with your name, Lee? Yes, very. Uh, Lee Durfee Lavoy. that's perfect. Uh, oh man, oh, nailed it. Amazing. So I love just roll with it. This is available now, right? Like Correct. this is this it's, is it's in been store. out for officially two weeks today. 
Uh, all right. Very nice. Uh, congrats. This I, is a great all ages book that I don't know how much you want to get into the overall themes necessarily, but at least starts with. Like all right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. about uh, the it's about a sixth grader who's very into RPGs, but is also having some issues with OCD and how those two intersect. So it's very heartfelt. It's very funny at the same time. Uh, where was the what was the genesis of this book? Where did this come from? Um, th- this came from um, my partner and co-creator, uh, Veronica Agarwal. Um, it, it was her idea way back in 2016. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she had the idea that she thought it'd be really interesting to have, um, to, to see a story of someone who deals with, with OCD with, with the, the D20, which at the time we were uh, really into. Um, and then over the years of creating this, um she actually was diagnosed with OCD. I started going to therapy. Um, and so it just, it, it, it really uh, was an accumulation of that and of wanting to tell our own sort of our own story through Maggie and, and reach out to kids who might also be struggling. Um, I'm the oldest of eight. And so helping kids Whoa. has been something I've always been uh, wanting to do. Uh, and same with Veronica. She's an only child, but, you know, reaching out to like the younger past self has always been at the core of some of the stuff that we've done. So I really did love throughout the book, how understanding it was of OCD and hearing you talk about it. I mean, there's obvious reasons why, but I think like you're saying, a young kid could pick up this book and see, Oh, that isn't the only thing about this character that is part of this character, but perhaps like me, meaning the child reading the book, this is something that they could see in themselves and see, by the time you get to the end, potential strategies for managing this. Yeah. Was, was yeah. that something you were looking towards as well? That was like the reason we made it. Yeah. To, to be able to be a kid who maybe like, like us or, you know, who was young and struggling and, and not sure of what's going on in their life to be able to point to something and be like, this is kind of how I feel um, to either a parent or a teacher or a therapist, whatever. And then be able to develop strategies and coping mechanisms and, and go from there um, was the goal. And, and and we've definitely cried over this, but there have been like Amazon reviews and people who have reached out on Twitter. Oh, yeah. oh, like, man. Their kid felt seen in this in the book or like they're an Amazon review, um, which I've saved on my phone is this a, a young 13 year old oh. child pointed to the book and was like, this is like me, mom. And I'm like, oh. like oh. To, to, to like, it's the most heartfelt and most like honored thing I could possibly have like experienced to be able to like help kids. And like, that's, that was the goal. And so to write a book that's understanding and, and, and funny and, and not totally consumed by OCD, but just a facet of who you are with mental health is, is what we wanted to do. And it sounds like um, you both learned a lot about yourselves over the course of creating this book. Um, uh, did that mean that when you were sort of revising it, did, did that change the creative process as well? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Cause like you said, there was a lot of learning about ourselves as we created it. I mean, from 2016 to 2021, a lot has happened, uh, in the <laughs> world and, and with ourselves. And so, um, there were definitely times, um, throughout the book where we're like, Oh, let's change that line. Let's scrap that page. Let's add a new one. Let's, let's redo this scene and redo that dialogue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from the total editing process was we probably edited like six times before we started. And then by the time Veronica was actually drawing it, there was edits throughout the whole thing. 
Mm. Well, well I, oh, go ahead, Pete. I just want to say this is a really touching, amazing book. I was very moved by it. And also the art really kind of like draws you into this uh, world. I was really impressed with, you know, uh, the character's kind of eyesight and eyeline of like the perspective. Did you go back to journals or like just the, the kind of kids uh, perspective here is really touching and it's impressive the way you kind of uh, encapsulated it. Well, thank you. Um, not really going back through too much of journals. It's just something um, sort of present in our lives, I guess. Um, but it, that's, you know, part of the editing process for us is that like we tore through it to be like, Kids wouldn't say that. Kids aren't interested in that. Flat, um, you know, let's make that a little more reasonable. Um, I did, re- I did reach out to some of my younger siblings um, when I was writing it, just to like talk to them about like mental health stuff and like kind of get a feel for where they were, um, nice. so stuff like that. Yeah. It seems and what about the? Yeah. What about the RPG angle as well? I, I mean, I know you talked about that coming out of the d20 but were you are you into rpgs and if so which is your favorite okay (laughs) Um, so definitely into rpgs it's been something that um i've really loved uh for like a long time now um a lot of my friends and i really got into it um during like the heyday of like the adventure zone podcast Mm -hmm. um and then like we have a a, a friend discord server group thing that that runs like dungeons and dragons games shadow run games um like homebrew stuff um my twin uh has an even Ooh. deeper connection yeah i have, I have a twin uh plot I, twist I, I, yeah i was gonna <laughs> say um but uh how are you the oldest of hated yeah, never mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a better question. How do we know that this is the real Lee and not oh, his? Yeah, wow. exactly. Oh, you know what I'm talking twin about. Is a, is a twin sister. Class- so. Classic podcast trap. Um, yeah. Twin but, sister. Uh, Good yeah, way to tell the difference. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could, for her, like, to make friends through, like, online groups and RPGs and stuff and, like, come out of the, the shy shell and everything it was really cool to see for me and then for. For me to like get closer with my siblings, like I ran a few like D and D games and stuff like that. Um, of course, so you got a whole in house. You got an in house group. You guys could play yeah. all day. Yeah, I mean that that was definitely the time back in 2016 before I moved. But uh, yeah, um, so Dungeons and Dragons is definitely my favorite, um, for better or for worse, I guess depending. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, can you talk about the power of the D20? Like, what's the like for for people that don't know, like what's the? I feel like okay, that's sure. the prime. Yeah. So for the D twenty, for the people that don't know, is the the core of like the D twenty system for um RPGs. Twenty sided die. Um, it's probably like the like geeky item, I think. Um, like shorthand. Uh, but if you depending on the roll, a higher roll means you're more likely to succeed in an action. A lower roll, more likely that you're going to fail. Um, with rolling the natural twenty. Um, being like you just roll it lands on a 20 is like the best that you can get um, and it's just like a kind of like a phenomenal little device um, it governs <laughs> literally all your actions in like Dungeons and Dragons and the other games run the D20 system and it was just kind of really fun for us to like take that and apply it to a character's like real life like this person is a 
ter- Maggie has a terrible time making decisions that can be really scary for her. So she outsources that decision making onto the D20 um, for good and for bad and for problems mm-hmm. as the book develops. But um, it was just a really cool um, idea for us. And then it also works really well as sort of like the metaphor for mental illness because it's like this tiny little thing that really doesn't amount to too much on its own, but you, you kind of give it this power over you and become this crushing weight for her. Um, it's almost like a ball and chain at sometimes. Hmm. No, that's cool. Uh, once now that you have this book actually out and in the rear view mirror, do you feel like, uh, I don't know if you're already onto your next project is, do you feel like given the success of this, that you want to tackle something with uh, mental health again for young kids? Are you onto other subjects? Where are you uh, with that? We are actually, um, it's definitely going to be like the next few things that we focus on. I think, um, just roll with it does have a sequel that's being worked on right now. Um, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So script written, she's on to inks. Um, it doesn't have a name just yet. Uh, but it will also deal up, deal with, um, someone with mental health issues and like body issues and stuff. Hmm. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, cool. Love the book. It's absolutely fantastic. Again, yeah, congratulations. it's in the stores now. Congratulations. And I'm very excited to hear that there's a sequel. I'm going to check that out, too. Lee. Thanks. Yes, we'll definitely talk about it whenever you want. Absolutely. Right. Please Thanks come back. On. It's yeah, so cool. Happy Congrats. New Year in advance. All right. There we go. <laughs> uh, that was Lee Durfee Lavoie. Uh, the book is called Just Roll With It, and it's out now. And you should definitely check it out because it's awesome. Yeah. And now, yeah. very folks. Toxic. I love what real quick. I love the flex of being like, I'm the oldest of eight. I have a twin sister who's seconds younger than yeah, me, but second. I'm still the oldest. <laughs> still going to flex way. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Classic. By the way, I don't know if you guys noticed, my mom just popped in for a brief moment. Uh, my mom still talking about she's two episodes behind, listens to the podcast every week. Mm-hmm. I forget every week that she listens every week. <laughs> and boy, I can't imagine the things that I've said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very exciting. Uh, well, folks, we're going to move on. And reveal now our 13 best Whoa! comic books of 2021. Alex yeah. Bill, the point. Alex I did. <laughs> I did. That's the Alex Bill. Alex had a lot of free time today. Uh, yeah. Did I? Did I? We were arguing about this for a while, so not as much free time as I thought I would have. Exactly. We were like, let's have a quick convo to put together our top I don't know uh, why you would think it would go easy. And we had an over an hour long (laughs) argument. It was perfect. Uh, So, yeah, this is going to be our 13 best comic books of 2021. As we were joking about just seconds earlier, this was very hard. To break down, there were so many good comic books this year. Also, we got a ton of amazing suggestions from all of you on Twitter in our Patreon Slack. Uh, So thank you for all of that. That definitely factored in. We talked about that quite a bit as well. Um, But we did manage to narrow this down. And again, this is not the full list. We each had our individual lists as well, which I think we're going to try to post on comicbookclublive.com um, so that people can get a sense of all the other great comic books out there. Honestly, I mean, I know you guys sent me your final lists and I was looking at my list and I was like, oh my God, I have like 75 things on here. I don't know. I'm going to yeah. narrow it down. Yeah. But we did. Yeah. I just, And just I, to be, wait, I know you're going to say this in a second, Pete, but just to be clear, <laughs> these 13 books are good and the rest of the books are bad. Go ahead. That's right. No, I was just going to say my favorite uh, pull quote from our uh, giant fight about this list was, um, hey, Pete, why are you going so hard right now? We're not even recording this. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> Truly, Pete was bringing full heat, like going on monologues. I was like, hey, man. Save it for the show. We're going to talk about this in that this exact way later. You could just say yes or no now, and then we can move on. I don't bit. work well, that Pete, way. Pete, Pete doesn't work that way. And I think my favorite quote was when you responded to me. You were like, I have on and off. That's all I can do, bro. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. You're right. But regardless, I think what we came up with here is a list of books that we certainly talked about a lot over the course of the year, whether it was here on the live show or over on the Stack podcast. And again, there are certainly things that you all were talking about to us as well. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we did a good job. We'll see what happens. Let's we kick did it a good off. Job. We're good. We're good boys. We're good, we're good boys. boys. Let's kick it off with number 13, Man Eaters the Cursed, from Image Comics yes. writer Chelsea Kane, artist Kate Nimzik, and Leah Mitternick. Uh, now, I can talk about this one because I think I went uh, pretty hard for it when we were chatting yep. about it. Uh, but, man, every issue of this book was a complete surprise. If you didn't check it out, it was about a bunch of kids that go to craft camp, but it very quickly turns out it's witchcraft camp, and it's weird, it's funny, it played around with form. There was an entire issue that was like a camp magazine is, I guess, would you yep. call it complete with ads and puzzles? Oh, like a, yeah. a boy's life. Like a yeah, boy's life. Yeah, I remember that one. Oh, that was book. great. And the characters were so fascinating and so funny and so creative. Uh, it felt like a shame to not included this on this list. Uh, like a lot of these things that I'll mention, uh, I believe there's a collection out of this. We're going to be talking about our best trades or some trades that we thought were really good on the stack podcast so if you don't see a favorite title there you can definitely check out those as well yeah. because we tried not yeah to we argued over that possible. too like if we mention one here should we mention the other one and that you know it's all but there thing. are things like this that i think this was such a it's good collected. individual issue thing it was so good but you can also check it out collected as well it's such a good, I mean, I think one of the thing one of the things we always want to highlight in these end of year looks is like innovation. And I think mm -hmm. this book really innovated in like a bunch of different ways while still being like funny, having uh, dramatic action and really doing stuff that I was like, there's literally no other book like this on the stands this year or really any other year. So I think this is a, it's a good pick. All right, let's move on with number 12, That Texas Blood from Image Comics writer Chris Condon, artist Jacob Phillips. Justin, you want to talk about this one? Uh, this is one of my favorite books of the year. I've really loved the way um, it, it's rare to me in a book, especially a book out of Image, which is so like, here's the premise. We're going to do this premise. And this is the book. And this book, it, for the first arc, it was very much like some hard boiled uh, Texas like uh, crime, um, small town. Um, sort of very much uh, in the style of like Jacob Phillips is Sean Phillips son in the work that he's done with Ed Brubaker. Um, and this then in the second arc took a totally different turn was this sort of like um, lighter, funnier, more uh, sci-fi um, storyline dealing with a cult. And it just has shades of like, uh, like a lot of crime dramas on TV that you may like. Um, it, but great fun characters that really stand out. And then they just released a Christmas issue that I thought was also great, had a, some supernatural stuff to it. Like they're really able to push against the borders of this type of story they're telling. And the art is fantastic on top of it. Yeah, I really love this book as well, particularly for Jacob <laughs> Phillips art, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And like you said, I appreciate the fact that they're really stretching beyond the initial concept, which 
we had Chris Condon on the show, and I think he was pretty honest about, yeah, he was pretty flattered about the criminal comparisons. But as the title has gone on, I think they've really strived very hard to move away from that in very interesting and fascinating ways. It has, like, first season of True Detective vibes, mm-hmm. you could say. Like, if you're looking for something like that, this is a great, great story. Uh, and this is another one that I believe the first two volumes are out, so you can check that out in collection if you want. Moving on, number 11, The Silver Coin from Image Comics writer Kelly Thompson, Jeff Lemire, Chip Zdarsky, <laughs> Ed Bryson, Michael Walsh, artist Michael Walsh. Uh, this title is one of the scariest and weirdest things on the stads today. Uh, I, I don't think it's exactly the same thing, so I hesitate to make this comparison, but we love Ice Cream Man on the show, and this has yeah. a similar feel just in terms of being anthology horror comic if you don't know what it's about every issue somebody finds this evil coin it promises it's a, it's a fucked up coin it's a, it's fucked, a fucked up, up coin, coin. It and look promises... you have coins in your pocket right now even you pete who's still on this podcast you have a coin in your pocket and it's probably horrifying the idea that there's gonna be a silver one. <laughs> uh and it's the sort of it's a very monkey's paw type situation where initially they get something they want and then it goes horribly wrong there is a absolutely fantastic issue um actually i don't think uh the that we put this one on here but uh that took place at a video game arcade that was yes. Awesome. Um, it's just every issue you don't know what you're going to get here, and that's very exciting to see. It's just to have an anthology series where every issue is great and super unique and interesting and scary. And Pete, I, I, you haven't contributed here yet, but I want to say you don't like horror. You don't like to be scared. And so you don't like this book. But I think that's a testament to people that do like horror, how good it is. And one other thing that I will say as a, that is, I think, particularly good about this book is it's anchored by the artist, Michael Walsh, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, you don't usually see that. Usually you'll see the writer does it and gets a bunch of artists to have that in a reverse is, I think, really nice. And it gives a consistency of look there, obviously. Moving on to number 10, Once in Future from Boom Studios, writer Kieran Gillen, artist Dan Mora. Uh, Justin, do you want to talk about this? Well, go, yeah, fuck, I, I know fuck yourselves. All right. <laughs> Listen, here's the problem with having three, an odd number, when you're picking uh, titles that, uh, you know, it's not everybody gets a say in some things because, you know, there's an odd person out a lot. Of you don't time. need to explain how tree. For example, <laughs> I think this is a good example of how that works where one person chose it and the two other people are the odd people out. Uh, yeah, 100%. great. So anyways, you know, you want to talk about groundbreaking. You want to talk about creativity. You want to talk about art, making a world that, you know, just bl- shattered your mind. Once in future <laughs> continues to be a fucking triumph in not only creativity, but also just taking th- something that you thought you knew, these tales that we all know, that we've heard forever and ever, and, and putting it. Uh, a, a little bit differently, making some different choices, and man, just unbelievable nonstop action. Uh, pushing just, on the bo- pushing on the borders of granny science, the the frontiers of granny science. I think. Yeah, sure. There's an unbelievable badass grandma in here. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. That's great. That's a lot of fun. But that's not the only thing that's got going for it. It's really fantastic. Pete, when are you releasing your top ten grannies list? Is that coming? <laughs> and where will where will she rank? 
Number one. Number one, your heart. <laughs> yeah, never your heart. Over your own grandmother? I mean, that's a shame. And Two things a, that I really listener. really like about this book in particular, Dan Moore's art is fantastic every time. His creature designs in particular are really terrifying and yeah. monstrous. And also, it's just fun. You know, it aims for at least yeah. one fun blockbuster action sequence per issue. And it makes it fun to read. Uh, for those of you who are watching the show live, you can see there's volume three here. So there's a couple of volumes you can check out about it. And uh, fun stuff. Let's move on to number nine. The six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton from Image Comics writer Kyle Starks, artist Chris Schweizer. This was maybe the most fun I had reading a comic book this year. If you didn't check it out, it's about, as the title implies, six sidekicks from a different TV shows for a... Uh, oh my god, what's his name? I wanted to say Charles Bronson. It's not Charles Bronson. It's Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, thank Chuck you. Nor- uh, Chuck Norris style asshole uh, actor. Um, he is murdered and they try to solve his murder, but it's very funny. The mystery was good. It ended really well in an absolutely hilarious fashion. Chris Schweizer's art is absolutely perfect for it, and it introduced us to six. Very unique, very iconic characters throughout here. I do hope they continue this with the sequel because, again, I just had so much fun reading this, and I'm so glad this is on our best comics list. Such a funny book. And to stick the landing both from the storytelling perspective and comedically, not easy. Great. Shouts to Derek Mainhart um, in our uh, our Patreon Slack, who's a huge fan of this book and is on his uh, best comics of 2021 list um, as well. Very fun read. Great stuff. Moving on to number eight, Made in Korea from Image Comics, writer Jeremy Holt, artist George Schall. Uh, Not to take this one as well, but this is probably the darkest sci-fi comic book of the year and went into some very fascinating, very unexpected directions. Takes place in a world where people aren't having kids as much, so then they get robotic surrogates. One surrogate has an AI in her and starts to develop very quickly. As she develops, though, she learns about a lot of different things, including violence and also grapples with her Uh, own sense of identity, ultimately realizing, spoiler here, she's not a her at all. Uh, And just it was so creative. Every single issue, the backup stories as well were absolutely fantastic. It really fleshed out the world. And the art was gorgeous. We talked about this a lot, but it reminded me a lot of the Luna Brothers stuff in a very positive Mm -hmm. way without feeling derivative. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was just a powerhouse from start to finish. Uh, just such a creative premise, such a cool way to put ideas onto something. I, I was just really impressed with this. Uh, really stuck out over the year as something that was a creative achievement. I would love to see this as a TV series or a movie. Uh, that's a great idea. I would, too. Number seven, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow from DC Comics writer Tom King, artist Bilquis Evely. Pete, you want to talk about this one? Yes. You you want to talk about a groundbreaking. This uh, comic took a character that we already know and love, but really brought it to a whole nother level. The art alone was worth this. It really <laughs> just had some iconic images of this character. Just... Uh, completely changed everything just phenomenal phenomenal every issue was a banger this was just just great comics unbelievable to read 
I mean, we've talked a bit about this a little bit in our reviews of each single issue, but like it take it took uh, this book is taking like a a lighter a character with a sort of a light background, where it's like sort of innocent, and giving it this like sort of darker undertone. So Tom King, I think, does best by with all the DC characters that he's been playing around with, because I think we've also loved like Human Target, um, Strange Adventures, all the books that have, he's been releasing this year really dig deep underneath and, and unearth this just great stories for these characters. It's funny to me that you say it's groundbreaking, Pete, because I think one of the things that's absolutely fantastic about it is, yes, it is digging into the character of Supergirl and really revamping her in a certain way, but it's beautifully paying tribute to adventure comics, to 40s and 50s and 60s comics, uh, sort of this old look. And it feels like that, but for a very modern perspective, both in terms of Bill Quisley's art and the coloring style and everything else that's going on there. Um, but it just, it feels so good. It feels like a comic that already existed for decades at this point and is just coming out now. It's and it's like, John, it's like John Wick for Supergirl. Oh, my God. What are you talking You're about? You're saying John Carter. Huh? No, meant... I mean John Wick. Because <laughs> oh, it's about her dog. It's, about, dog. it's about her dog. It's, dog, it's like yeah. John Wick meets John Cor- Carter, but with oh. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and that will satisfy no one. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Lock, number six, Lock and Key, Sandman, Helen Gone from IDW Publishing and DC Comics writer Joe Hill, artist Gabriel Rodriguez. This is a new title to us that we never really talked about before. Yeah. Um, How but... did this get so high on the list? It's a yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, I guess because we like Sandman, that's the character that Thomas Hayden Church plays, right? Uh, that is correct. Um, okay. In several Spider-Man. Love him. Movies. I loved him. Also, he Wings. plays Lowell in Wings. Okay, yeah. we're in the same That's page. why I rated this so high is because I love Lowell from Wings. Should we move on to number five? Real quick. No, I have an important thing to say about this. Um, have I told you that I was the personal assistant to um, Roy Biggins from Wings, the actor <laughs> David Schramm in real life? <laughs> That was one of my early jobs in New York, and boy, did I get too close to a hero. Ah, uh, well, the the art is just absolutely <laughs> unfreaking believable. Uh, this is taking two things that we know very well and love very much, putting them together in such a creative, badass, unbelievable. Like some of the splash pages should be like tattooed across people's backs. It's just <laughs> Whoa, amazing okay. achievement in art. You mean us? Comics. You mean us? No, I'm talking about Gabe You know Rodriguez's what? I'll tell you what. Pages. If we make it to 30 years, let's all get tattoos of one of the splash pages across our backs. All right, great. That's 100% right. I'm going to get, no, we each get a tattoo of another character of us from Lock and Key. Like, I'll get Dr. Zalb in my back. Mm-hmm. Pete, you could get me. Or, I mean, just to throw out something alternate, we could get one double page splash across all three of our backs. So we have to stand <laughs> next to each other to really show it off. Uh, just to talk about this book a little bit more, of course, we're in the tag for Lock and Key, one of our absolute favorite books of all time here on the show. With Sad Man, like Pete said, one of the best books of all time as well. But what I think makes this miniseries really special is not just the event status of it, but the fact that it was essential for readers of both books, Lock and Key and Sandman, and revealed information 
about these titles that illuminated so much more about each of them. So not that we would have expected anything less from this creative team, but really it went so much harder than it needed to. And uh, kudos and hats off to it for that. Phenomenal. In uh, the years after um, Neil Gaiman finished up his Sandman run, and there's been a lot of like sort of Sandman world, like the dreaming, this is one of the top tier uh, stories already just in that world so if you're a fan of any any sandman stuff like and haven't checked this out it's worth reading even if you don't understand uh lock and key or have read that yeah Uh, great 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 stuff very excited that more lock and key is coming our way down the road let's move on to number five stray dogs from image comics writer tony leaks artist trish forstner this is a horrifying tale of a bunch of dogs straight out of a don bluth movie held hostage by a murderer trying to solve what's going on despite the fact that they're dogs. It was terrifying. It was anguishing to read, but also an incredible mystery and adventure at the same time. Man, this book blew me away from the very first page. What about you, Justin? Uh, I agree completely. One of the biggest surprises of the year, like reading this first issue um, to get sort of punched in the face by the revelation that it's these like, these cartoon dogs that we recognize from any dog in any animated movie you've seen, there's a version of that dog here. And it's really cool it's to see that. And it's the art is so sweet. Um, and then to have it be this true horror story is great. There's more of this book coming out. It's a great trade to pick up. If you haven't read it yet. Great, great stuff. Yeah. Let's move on to number four, Nightwing from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. Another huge surprise for me, frankly, because I like Nightwing. Nightwing's a fun character. I usually expect, oh, this is going to be a good title when you go in. I think the uh, spiral-focused series that Tim Seeley and Tom King Tim did Seeley. back in the day was very good. Love that. But this is, like we mentioned a million times on the stack, this is like what the Hawkeye series was with Matt Fraction and David Aja, but for Nightwing from Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. It's just that good in terms of the care that they're putting, not just into the character and his world, but also the uh, layouts of the art and why how they let the art and the writing weave together. Absolutely a fantastic book. I have been blown away by this every single issue this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those just... Bringing a character so far above where it's been, it's just so creative and so well done. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a time to be Nightwing right now. This is just such <laughs> a great e Nightwing. I, I, yeah, I've just been completely Wait, blown away. Are you this Nightwing? Right? No, no, I'm no. not. Okay, it feels like yeah. You, uh... I don't know. You, you doth protest too much. <laughs> uh... Pete, I had noticing a lot of circus stuff coming out of Pete. He's very circus oriented. I don't um, like I the love this book. Penis. You don't like circus peanuts. Okay. Yeah. Uh big clue. Um I <laughs> love Nightwing, have always loved Nightwing, and to have a like a Nightwing renaissance like this right now is so exciting. Um both uh in the action side of it, but also the relationship. Um sort of back together with Barbara Gordon. Super fun. Right, the kind of romance I want to see. Beautiful art. It's just a great time to be a Nightwing fan. Yeah, it's a great time to be alive. Let's move on to number three. The Other History of the DC Universe from DC Comics. Written by John Ridley. Art by Giuseppe Camincoli and Andrea Cucci. Pete, you want to talk about this one? 
Yeah, this is just really kind of taking a deep dive into DC history and then also uh, history of, you know, other characters in the DC universe. Uh, just really It's almost t- like an other, uh, the other history of the DC universe, I would say. He nailed it. He nailed yeah. it right there with the title. You know what's fun is when you ask me to talk about something and then... <laughs> Don't let me talk about something. So. Well, it was sort of like you gave a book report, but only read the cover. <laughs> Pete, you love this book. Tell us. Yeah, Pete, tell us about it. the get inside of the real. book, not just the title. Come on. Trying to set it up. Get and, it. You know, get it going. I, I just really creative, very well done, you know, looking at some of the uh, problems with comic books and some of the racial issues, some of the – I just uh, was – Nice to kind of put this front and center, take creative looks, uh, uh, look at things as a whole and talk about them. I was really impressed that they did this. It's uh, it's very refreshing, very needed and fucking fantastic. I mean, just to echo what Pete's saying, like it, there's the deep, the depth of the storytelling here and like the the big text uh, of this comic was so great. Um, and to be able to really look at all of DC's continuity and pick out these characters and and tell these stories in a real way, putting them in the context of the history going on around them and around us uh, was amazing. It's so hard. This is like something that could be read in schools. It's just like such a good book. Yeah, this is a phenomenal achievement, and not only for the content of the book, but also the layout of the book. There's so much text in here. There's not really any dialogue uh, bubbles or anything like that. It's mostly just John Ridley writing it through from the character's perspective. But the fact that it doesn't overwhelm the art by Giuseppe Cabancoli and Andrea Cucci is incredible in and of itself because they recapture all of these iconic moments in the DC universe throughout decades of storytelling through their own art, but also all the moments in between the fact that they make room for that at the same time and they weave so well together in terms of the layouts of the page, in terms of the way they're supporting the text and the text is supporting the art. Uh, this is just an incredible achievement of a comic book, I would say. Yeah. Go read it. It's a full Go. meal. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up, number two. Number two. Coming down to it. Bring the energy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Homesick Pilots from Image Comics. Written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard. Justin, why don't you take this one? I mean, we've been repping this book from the jump. And what is great about it is, you know, it's taking all these swings uh, while still maintaining just uh, a story that is working. Like being able to tell this like ghost story, but getting into like sort of uh, kaiju stuff at some points. Like it's uh, a lot of music underneath this whole thing. Like this book just keeps pushing it, keeps taking risks. Um, and, it, you know, it's we're not that far into it, and it's still putting so much on the table. Uh, beautiful art by Casper Wingard. I, I, I love this book. And not yeah, a bad I issue. Mean, we read a lot of comics, and this comic, every time we thought we had a handle on it, it would make a different turn that we didn't see coming. Uh, just so creative. Uh, it also moved really well. Uh, I was just really impressed uh, with every issue and where it took things. And, uh, you know, it started off, you think it's about a band and it's not. You think it's maybe a horror story or a haunted house story. It's more than that. It's just really impressive all the things that it accomplished. I think I 
feel like Justin, you might have mentioned this when we were reviewing it once on the stack, but it does feel like early days of lock and key just in terms of the world building and the creativity and also the fact that the character designs of the ghosts are often just terrifying to look at. Yeah. So, and super unique, super mm-hmm. like, oh, I did not expect to see like the, the VHS tape ghost. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Great. And the places that it's been going to just with building up these ghost house kaiju battles is amazing. It just feels yeah. very exciting and fresh to read every issue out of the gate. But I think it is time to reveal our number one comic book of the year. So Ooh. let's get to it because it is... The Many Deaths of Layla Starr from Boob Studios, yes. written by Ram V, artist by art by Felipe Andrade. Um, Justin, you want to take this one as well? Sure. Like, th- I feel like this book just sticks with you. Like mm-hmm. it, we, like Pete said, we read a lot of comics, and and this one, like, it just speaks to like being human. Uh, it feels like a story is just being told on such a large scale. And there are so many, not just moments, but also just larger pieces, full issues that I think will stick with me going forward. And I feel like that's so hard to do in any medium, including comics. And for this book to do that uh, sort of multiple times over the course of five issues, right? Was that all that it was? Mm -hmm. Like, just amazing. Uh, my favorite read of the year for sure. And just real quick to sell you on the concept. If you haven't checked it out though, I'm assuming a lot of folks listening out there have, uh, the idea is that death finds out that there is somebody being born who will eradicate the concept of death. So she gets fired. She becomes human kind of, and then tries to track down this person to kill them in order to get her job back and then keeps dying and keeps getting reborn per the title. But like Justin said, it's just the most reflection on what it is like to be alive and be a human being that I've read in a comic book in a very long time. Not to mention that the art is gorgeous. The coloring is gorgeous. It's just a beautiful comic to flip through at the same time as you're reading this very introspective, but also very fun story. I, yeah. yeah, I I just feel like the writer and the artists were just having a contest of who could outdo each other because it was just so impressive. The writing, all the stuff that the characters go through, unbelievable. The art, just spectacular. And the way that it just one of those books that uh, you can just hold up as just solid, really breathtaking very moving, pushing things in in great ways. It was just a really well put together package. It was just impressive. Great package. If you're a fan of like um, Day Tripper, the book, we've made this comparison before, but like uh, really in that that vibe. And it has this thing of being both timeless in that it's these larger stories and also timely. I feel like reading this during a pandemic felt also like it popped Mm -hmm. even harder because of that. Um, so great. There you go. That is our best comic books of 2021. As mentioned, there were so many books that did not make the list. This was very hard, literally like hurt me into my heart to cut some of that stuff out there. Yeah. But, and I think let's just shout out a couple if we can, like, um, for me, the end of, um, low, the end of birthright, the end of ascender were things that I was like, such a, so good to see those sort of finishing up. Uh, the Nice House on the Lake by James Tynan. What a year for him. Uh, JT4. Carmen, uh, JT4. Um, Carmen, uh, beautiful mm. book. Um, Eat the Rich, one we've talked about a lot. And I find it, we didn't have 
any Marvel on this list, right? No. We Which is crazy to me. It is crazy. Um, but uh, I will say there were a couple were, of Marvel books that I think we put on the trade list. The yeah. uh, I don't know. Why Daredevil do you... was phenomenal. Daredevil was really good. There was a yeah. lot of really good Marvel books, but it feels like... Frankly, this was a stronger year for some other publishers. I think Marvel yeah. put out some good stuff that I liked. I mean, going back to the beginning of the year, all the Venom stuff that Donnie Cates did was a lot of yeah. fun. Uh, the Thor stuff that he did Hulk as well stuff. was good. I know we have divisions about it. And I don't want to get into it, but a lot of the X-Men stuff was really good. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think when we were going through the list, there are people and there are and i say people because it is individual creatives but also comic book companies that are just pushing a lot harder and pushing the envelope a lot harder than marvel is right now i feel like these things always switch year to year and the next year will be like here's 13 marvel titles and that's how it'll yeah. work out but that's just kind well, of Well and i happens. have i have a theory i have a theory um it feels like a lot of marvel books the larger titles are sort of in the middle so there mm-hmm. weren't a lot of like sort of exclamation points or new things coming and I think that's a lot like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is sort of we're always in the middle because it's always moving forward. And so it feels like the comics are reflecting that in a way. So if you're always in the middle, it's hard for things to pop. Uh, the couple of things that I really liked from Marvel were the Black Widow series that um, mm, sort of in the first part great. of the year was yeah. great. Um, the death of Doctor Strange is super great. Al Ewing's work on Immortal Hulk and yeah. Defenders has been really good. Um, Alien. Uh, by uh, Phil oh, Kennedy yeah, Johnson. Johnson and yeah. Phil Kennedy Johnson also having a great year, I feel like, one of the creators yeah. that we love, and his work on Superman has been so good as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the end of your sentence. It felt That's like... the end yeah. of my sentence. <laughs> great. Okay. Uh, but yeah, as we were saying, there are so many more titles out there. It was very hard to put together this list, but we all stand by it, all three of us together, 100%, no divisions uh. whatsoever. And folks... That is it for our best comics. We Put it to move- bed. This year is over. <laughs> yeah. All right. And stream over. Goodbye. Uh, no, we have lots more show to go. So let's get into it with my favorite section, your audience questions. Woo-hoo. Uh, but before we get to audience questions, we do have to pay the bills a little bit. And this, oh, there we go. Yes, we do. Uh, and this week's sponsor is Blindsided, a new podcast for the Players Tribune. Given how they play the game, you might not think that professional athletes are dealing with mental health issues, but that's exactly what the Players Tribune is tackling with their first ever mental health podcast, Blindsided, hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. The show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus of their lives. Blindsided allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges people face, whether you're a professional athlete or not. Guests this season include Kevin Love, Paul Bissonnette, and Kurt Warner. Blindside dives in deeper, it gets clinical, and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and why athletes in particular face them down. Blindside is a sports podcast, not only for people who follow sports, but also... For those who don't, you can check that out. Check it out anywhere live now. Let's move on to sounds our audience like a questions. great podcast. It does sound like a very good podcast. Uh, before we do, though, just to check in with what everybody's drinking tonight, other than tonight's cocktail from Bet Macris. You still on champagne and beers? Yep, I'm gonna pop another bottle. 
Oh, nice. cheers. Pete, there what you about go. you? Cheers yourself. I'm drinking a little vodka with a little um, club soda and pomegranate juice. Wow. Pomegranate. Oh, okay. my. What a fancy What's the occasion lady? with this guy, pomegranate juice? Mm. Uh, you got a health kick? Hey, man, you got you to gotta mix it up. Can't always mm. be Mountain Dew. All you right. know what I mean? Until Mountain Dew makes Mountain Dew pomegranate. Mountain Dew oh, Palm. Mon Palm, yeah. yeah Palm awesome. Dew. Yeah. All right, here we go. This first question here is on Crowdcast from Jolene. Considering how well done and focused the recent five-part miniseries of River Vale and Flash Armageddon were, do you think this was a test run for future small arcs for the future Ooh. for things like Flash? 23 episode seasons always seem to drag in some way, and the five-parter gives it more of a story arc feel, plus the crossing over of having others just appear on one series instead of swapping back and forth between shows also felt pretty good. Uh, now, lots uh, to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. Uh, Justin, you might be able to speak to part of this that I'll throw out to you in a second a lot better than Ooh, I can. Okay. But the first thing that I'll say about this is I did really like both events. I think we all enjoyed the River Vale event. I certainly enjoyed the Flash Armageddon event. I thought it was a lot of fun as well. But it was both of them were done to give those productions time to catch up because of COVID. There are both shows that were slowing down dramatically because of COVID. They were not dealing with the production schedules quite as well. Not their fault, just the fault of the fact that it's really hard to do this. And so what the CW decided to do was let them start a little later in the season, give them a little more time to catch up, and they're both coming back in March. So that was the basic idea there. The second part of this, though, is that... As far as I'm aware, neither event really made any sort of dent in their ratings, that neither on broadcast nor streaming. You mean so, positive. positive? Positive. It was about the same. Like, they were both yeah. even to where they were. If they were gangbusters and these events actually played like events and they had double the ratings or something, of course they would do more than these. But as is, because it is a schedule catch-up thing, I think... As much as I would like it, because I enjoy it and I enjoy shorter seasons, I don't think it's really going to change things necessarily too much. Uh, Justin, uh, since you are heavily involved in production aspects yeah, of things, you're our you line producer. A, yeah, not accurate. Um, well, I, I just from a production perspective, like why why do this? Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it does give it just gives you a little bit of slide there, so you can sort of be doing it on your own time as opposed to getting into the grind and then just having to race through their whole season all at once. Um, so I think that does make a lot of sense. I feel like just from a marketing perspective, it just makes sense to be like, Hey, we're doing this. It gives people something to talk about. And so while it didn't provide a big boost up as the TV economy continues to expand, there's just like too much to talk about anything shows can do to have a live element because the, the things that right now, are live events like nothing beats the nfl because mm -hmm. it's a live sporting event so any way a show can try to get into that model or chase that vibe of being like hey this thing's happening now you have to watch it i think they're going to do that and i think doing things like this helps get more eyeballs or at least more conversation going and i will say i love it because it means more creative risk it mm -hmm. means you're you're taking a swing by doing something like rivervale where it, it has to be a little different well, book. but so here's my actual production question is that said you're doing 22 episode seasons, not just for ad reasons, but also because of the budget. Right. So yeah. you can't suddenly be like, yeah, we did a really good time doing these five episodes. Let's do five episodes instead. That's just not going to happen. 
What do you mean? Like, let's do five dip more? Well, I think the question is getting towards... I always feel like I would rather watch a 10-episode season. I would rather watch a 13-episode season. But the reason for doing a 22-episode season, even though it always sags somewhere in the middle, is that you're getting more budget, you're paying people for the year, you're giving them consistent jobs. That's the reason you do those things, right? Well, yeah, and that that's just what the... You want as many episodes as you can possibly get when you're making a show. So it's like, if you are in a in a position to get 22 episodes, you're like, we're doing 22 episodes and we'll figure mm-hmm. out the creative afterwards. Cause you're, you get your season pickup. The the show I'm about to start working on in the new year, we got, it was like, it's going to be six or eight. And we were like, Oh, it's, we want eight. And yeah. because of course we'll figure it out. We'll make eight episodes of content um, when we get to it, but it's always just a number at the first, at the beginning. And then you fill it out afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and the- Oh, go ahead, Pete. The one thing I want to uh, kind of just kind of disagree with here is Riverdale never meanders uh, during the season. That's... <laughs> Riverdale meanders in seeds. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. just going to disagree with you right here. Riverdale I mean, I is think, high octane you're, you're insanity. Right. It is never meandering, but it is always meandering. Yes. And the other thing that I'll say, because I know uh, Jolene watches The Flash, is this is something that they've been kind of moving towards anyway since the Crisis on Infinite Earth season, where I'm forgetting the name of the current showrunner, but he had this idea to break it up into what he calls graphic novels. So the first half of the season was, I'm getting my numbers wrong here, but it was something like eight episodes, and that was one villain. And then they had Crisis on Infinite Earths that stretched over, I believe, three episodes of The Flash or something like that. And that was the second graphic novel, even though it was shorter. And then the third one was the second half of the season, which, again, about eight to nine episodes or something like that. And they did tie them together at the end. But his idea there, they really liked doing that, and I believe they're going to keep doing that, where it's essentially taking their 22 episode order and breaking it up into two seasons, two story arcs, because they're going to have that mid season break anyway. So that's essentially what they were doing with this five episode event is they had five episodes. They're on their mid season break. They're going to come back in March and then they'll do one more story there. And it just, it it depends on how you sort of creatively handle a show like this. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of like writing and everything with 22 episodes. So if you are able to do like five, where one smaller team goes and does that, and everyone else can then be like handling the rest of the season, then that, that helps a little bit, but to do, you know, four or like th- or three, five episode events, and then a seven episode event, say like that would be harder because it's sort of too many teams. And then no one's just like doing the day-to-day work to sort of get it done. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. There you go. All right. Uh, let's move over to YouTube. Stanley YouTube. has two questions here. I'll ask one question, but you don't have to answer it. Did Pete forget to pick X-Men books? Pete? No. No, I didn't. Okay, here's uh, another question from Stanley then. I did. What are your <laughs> New X-Men Year's... made some choices that, uh, you know, I don't You loved. We know. We don't have to get into it. So... What are your New Year's resolution goals for 2022? Oh, man. Personally? thought about this. Yeah, we got days to put that together. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna get together and work out our resolutions with each other, right, guys? Yeah, we're top, gonna like pitch uh, ideas. Top thirteen for each resolutions. Other. My resolution is to get one third of a double page splash tattoo on my back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, early. So yeah. that's a twenty twenty two. I'm just goal? gonna get it out of the way. I'm gonna get wow. it out of the way. Well, I hope so. You're gonna get the tattoo first, and then we're gonna have to. <laughs> and then we'll have to fill it out. Yeah. Well, that way I get to choose which third I want. Oh boy, I'm gonna be in the middle. 
All right, this is from Edward Doherty. Well, what are your favorite? Well, no, we gotta answer. Oh, we gotta actually answer, answer this. Okay, what are your you resolutions? Do you have it? Do you? Have... No, I, I was just it. talking about this with my kids today. I don't necessarily have one yet. Uh, I mean, the only one. Once the kids were born, I started reading other than for the show and comic books are a lot less. So uh, I've been slowly working up my Goodreads challenge every year from five books, 10 books, 15 books to okay. I read, I think, 25 books in the last year. So I'm going to try to push that. Yo, when are you reading books? Yeah. The amount of Stop TV you watch? all over us. <laughs> it's not a flex. Cause... I love reading. Reading is a fulfilling experience for me. Uh, let me ask I you, hate like, the fact... Seriously, as a yes. father of two, I'm also a father of two. Yeah, I haven't read a, a real book in so yeah, yeah. long. When when do you do it? Because I'm like, I have a backlog of 50 TV shows I'm trying to catch up on. Totally. Like movie. The, I try to at least read a chapter of something before I go to bed because I find I sleep better if I've read as the last thing versus watching TV oh, as the last thing. So I do that. And, and then quite there... an aphrodisiac. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is there's some days when it's just like I wake up before anybody else except for my son who is downstairs watching TV. So I just am like, okay, this is the time. I got like an hour and a half here and got to read as much as I can. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, you wake up at, let's say, six and your son's already downstairs watching TV? He wakes up so early, Pete. (laughs) So my point is, my only real resolution is I think my Goodreads challenge was 20 books last year, uh, this year, which I met. So I'm going to probably bump it up to 25 and see if I can do that. That's great. Um, my challenge is taking time to do more personal creative projects. I feel oh. like I uh, I don't take the time. I get, end up getting caught up in uh, work or top 13 lists or whatever. So I don't <laughs> end up doing those things. <laughs> I want to take more time to do that. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I want to find a better daily routine. I feel like since the COVID happened and I started just living my life inside all the time, uh, I... I, my routine has been all messed up and I've been like just trying to kind of get it back on track where I'm not really thinking about it. It's just automatic. And uh, yeah, I got to make better strides for that. Cool. All nice. Right, this, this is from Edward Doherty. What are your favorite ongoing comedy bits in superhero movies or TV? And what are your favorite romantic subplots? Whoa. Oh, wow. I can, ongoing. I can throw out a romantic subplot, really enjoying Ryan Wilder and Sophie Moore over on Batwoman. That's a good slow burn romance thing that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to think for a second about comedy bits. Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. I mean, my favorite bit would just happen on the last episode of Hawkeye when uh, it was the joke whoa nice shot and hawkeye goes no shit (laughs) uh man that made me laugh so i think i love when um when our superhero content like calls attention to itself a little bit and i think that joke is about like yeah i'm good at this one thing so that's just fun pete yeah um i liked the um there was a Ted Lasso bit that I really enjoyed where they started a joke and then like finished it in season two. Uh, I thought that was really impressive. And that's a superhero TV show, Pete? Uh, no, no, I opened mind. it up a little bit. Yeah, I opened <laughs> oh, okay. it up a little bit. 
Um, well, you know, I'm going to shout out Betty. Betty and Archie is a relationship, is a Barchi uh, guy. Oh, I thought you were going to say for ongoing bit. No, I mean, it's a, it is a bit in a way. It's a <laughs> yeah. bit for us, right, Pete? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm bughead for life, so go after yourself. Fair enough. This is great. Uh, moving back to YouTube for Jericho. Rosa says, what are some artists, writers that you guys intend to follow next year? And I assume he's talking in person around town. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Like on the yeah. street. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I want to know where Gabriel, Gabriel Rodriguez eats lunch. <laughs> uh, I do think I know we just brought it up with Homesick Pilots, but Dan Waters and Casper Wingard have definitely been doing stuff for the big two recently. And I think... We're not the only ones that know Homesick Pilots is good, and I think we're going to see a lot more from both of them in the new year potentially. So uh, those are. I want to. I want to follow Ram V around. I was just, you know Ram V was my answer as well. Like I feel like Ram V is just having a year between all the the DC work and then the independent stuff, but the the independent stuff is really just popping right now. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a ton of, I feel like Jeff Lemire's having a moment right now as well. He's mm-hmm. doing a ton of work right now. He's this um, Swamp Thing uh, Black Label uh, series that the first issue came out today that is so good and just like uh, all over the place. Save it for the stack, buddy. We'll talk mm-hmm. about Save it for there. the stack. Can... Yeah. Um, and I also think, again, not to keep bringing up X-Men, but team member, part of the X-Men team, like, Vita Ayala has been killing it. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Phillips has been killing it. I think we're going to see a lot more from them as they expand and do other projects. Um, so excited to see all the stuff that they do as well. Why don't we move to another question here? This is from Stray Bullet. This is possibly a two-part question, depending on the answer to the first question. Ooh, Ooh this is like a trap yeah, or something. Yeah, it's, it's like a mystery. Like uh, can we spoil No Way Home yet? Mm, That's the first great question. Can we? Uh, I think in this in, on this show we can. Okay, so if you haven't watched no, no Way Home, we're about to spoil it. I'm going to get into the second part of the question now. So toot away for the next five minutes or so. If the answer is no, uh, oh, okay, here we go. If the answer is no, what is a fair amount of time to give before talking about the movie? And don't read the next part. If the answer is yes, I'm going to read all of this anyway. Um, all right. Uh, uh, do you guys think Andrew Garfield deserves a third Amazing Spider-Man like so many have been Ooh. calling for in the tweet realm? In the tweet realm? <laughs> the realm of the tweet. Yeah, I am Sir Justin I, of the tweet realm. I'm uh, here to it's funny, usually people just call enjoy. it Twitter, but okay, all right, tweet realm. Now, tweet realm is better. Yeah. What do you guys um, think? There's definitely been a big push since the movie has come out to be like, yes, we want to see Amazing Spider-Man 3, a sequel to two movies we loved. This is a trap. <laughs> this is a trap. Exactly. No one was going to bat for Andrew Garfield a couple of years ago. Everyone was like, "This no. These movies were considered failures uh, in a way." So I think Andrew Garfield had a great run in No Way Home, and uh, I now think he can die. Let's go ahead. No, no, I don't want him to die. I think we can just enjoy that, and and that's it. Let's just be well, happy. That's a- Beautiful story. That's the great thing is like this movie is now getting people excited about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man again, which is better than two movies could do with him is as Spider-Man. So like, do you think, think they're excited about Andrew Garfield or they're excited about Garfield? The fat, yeah, the original the fat cat. Yeah. <laughs> the original well, fat cat. You know, this is, you know, I mean, yeah. Who likes Mondays? You know what I mean? 
The great question. Yeah. So great I will question. throw out, this is the current rumor that's going around. I have no sourcing on this. So take this with not just a grain of salt, but like the entire salt box or whatever you want to say. Uh, Lots too much that, salt, Alex. It's too much salt. It's bad for your heart. That the way they're going to do it is now that they have, after this movie, they essentially have like a Spider-Man multiverse, which we kind of knew they were aiming towards anyway. Right. Tom Holland is going to continue in the MCU. We know he's going to be in at least one additional non-Spider-Man movie and probably additional MCU Spider-Man movies as well. But the current rumor is that they're going to use Andrew Garfield in the other Sony Spider-Man adjacent movies so that potentially he'll be in a no. Venom movie. He'll be in a Sinister Six movie, a Craven no. movie, all things like that. Nobody wants You're that. Saying, no one's going to want that. that. No, nobody that wants be... it. No one wants to. No one wants to see that movie. Be like, this isn't Spider Man. This is that other Spider Man. Yeah, but it'd be, it'd be kind of. It's like it's like you're. It's like you go. You go to a kid's party. It's like, hey, look, it's Elsa. And it's like, it's not Elsa. It's an actor. <laughs> it's an actor who's dressed up like Elsa. It's like you don't. Want, you don't want that. And I think, look, just go watch Tick Tick Boom and imagine that it's Peter Parker singing. That's it. Pete, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm glad that, you know, that he, I think he killed it in this movie. I think, you know, uh, it was nice to see him get redeemed a little bit. Uh, both other Spider-Men uh, look better after this movie. So that's great. That I think that this movie is great. I, you know, the, the real question about the spoiler of this movie is what would you do, or as Meatloaf said, uh, would not do for love oh. because, you know, there was a clear <laughs> moment where Peter Parker said, but I won't, do I, that. I won't do that. You know, so oh, so you're uh, still stuck on the end of the movie. Great. Oh, that still doesn't... stuck. Oh, still stuck. Yeah, I, I'm sorry that I believe in love. And the I'm end sorry of that, that movie. The end of that movie was should fight excellent. for fucking love. All right. The end of that movie. Not was give up excellent. and walk away. Like a chump. Well, you should have at least ordered a donut. That's what all I'm saying. That was my big listening. problem with the ending. You should finish the listening. Peter Pan donuts are great. Here's what I think. I think that, just to wrap this up. I think that. Uh, I kind of agree with you, Justin. It is weird to me to be like, here's a Venom movie that also stars Spider-Man. That's yeah. strange, but Nobody I think so. That. I think Sony's going to do it anyway. I think I if, if they, if they no, they're going to get Tom Holland to do it, and they should. They build up the villains and then have Tom. Uh, if they put Andrew Garfield, Garfield in, if they put Andrew Garfield in here, that is the most like second tier move. That's like I'm I hope he king. doesn't do it. I hope he doesn't do it. That's the main thing. Like he doesn't. I mean, if I were it. him, I would do it. I would do. Would it you though? Being in Venom Three, let there be Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, the amount of money. If it's a reveal, like, like of course the actor would do it. I think. But to me, it's just like that. Just JVs them up against the rest of the yeah. Spider Man movies in a way that, like, I know they don't. The fact that they have these great, successful Venom movies, they're trying to get it with with Morbius. Maybe they'll hit there too. If they they're trying to elevate to the top tier, if they second tier themselves with a different Spider-Man, I just don't think they'll do it. Well, I think what you're overlooking is like it could be a fun moment where it it's just like a quick cameo or a callback to how crazy things got in a No Way Home. So I think it, it would be a fun thing to kind of call back, not to be the main Spider-Man, but just to kind of have some fun with. That's straight bullet in the comments. I would also watch a Toby Andrew Garfield Spider Buddy movie. That's more of a move. Or That's a move. like one hour special. Do something fun. I feel like hopefully Marvel. Like a variety show? Yeah. <laughs> well, 
laughing. So I, think, yeah. I feel like Marvel's in such a position, and No Way Home is the biggest movie of, like, it's the crown jewel right now. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, they can do weirder stuff. And if they did that, amazing, fun. I think the only place I want to see them is in the Into the Spider-Verse sequel. That's pretty much it. They could do voices there. They could even show up live action. That's it. It's you know fun. Let's have some fun, Alex. Nah, they, no they can do voices? Okay, Principal of Zelda. <laughs> no <laughs> thanks. Do I don't want to have fun. All right, this is from Charlie Billings. Did Pete ever figure out what strange Swamp Thing Green Lantern story he read for the review of Swamp Thing by <laughs> a few weeks ago? No. Pete had dinner with a Swamp Thing and just had a conversation, I think. is what it was. Yes, Yeah, we this figured was, it out. We did figure it out. Uh, we were asked to read volume two of Swamp Thing uh, in the iTunes comments. By the way, just as a side note, if you would like to request a review from us of a comic book, iTunes comments, drop something there. Uh, we're getting to one not on this week's stack, but the next one. There was a manga volume that was requested. Uh, but Pete accidentally read the sixth volume of Swamp Thing, not the second volume. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Pete has kind of had myself a little they bit. They both yeah. start with an S. I know how that happens. Yes. Yes. Six yes. and two? Two? Six uh, and two? Six and second. Yes. Second. Yeah. Ah, I got you. There we go. Uh, this is from Kevin. What's something from 15 years ago in comics that you miss now? My you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, God, not having a beard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being able to read it without my eyeglasses. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. What comics were coming out back in 2006 when we um, began yeah. this? Uh, the year was 2006. Captain America just died. Captain America was being published. Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. I remember it well. <laughs> I wish. I, I wonder what our first stack was. Like, I feel oh, like we man. just don't have that record. But like, because no, we, we did. Really the show was what it is. I mean, I guess we don't even do a stack anymore but <laughs> in the brain <laughs> show. But it was what it was forever for yeah. from the beginning. So it's not I'm, like... I do remember like our first kind of man on the street thing was talking to people about the death of Captain America. Um, I, I do liked the kind of like that oh. was the start of bigger swings of being like, maybe we do take a, this person off the kind of mantle and try and try you know i mean they've been doing that for a while but i just felt like it was a huge swing it went really well um it was interesting to kind of like really see that character with somebody else uh, rocking i i thought it was a it was some really great stuff one thing this isn't exactly from 15 years ago but having mark wade on the show the other night reminded me I miss a little bit of the technolo- technological innovation that was being tried in the first like mm-hmm five years of when we were doing the show and people were doing Zuda comics and they were doing, Oh yeah. I I didn't like motion comics, but at least people were pushing things and trying different ways to embrace different ways of reading things. And it feels like there's been no movement there. Like Mark brought up webtoons is enormous, probably huger than anything we talk about on the show. But even that is not like a great reading experience for comics. So I don't it's know. It, it, yeah, I thought I thought there would be more changes. I thought that we'd have the flying cars of comics by now, and I don't think we really have that. Yeah, it that's true. But off. also, we're back to just good comics. I feel yeah. like comics are doing really are really good right now. Yeah, great. 
Uh, great. We got a question here from Nat Townsend. This is what are the oh, must read trades of 2022? Christmas was last Saturday, so I'm planning ahead now. This is a great question now, uh, but we're actually going to be unveiling our best read trades of 2022, the last week of December in 2022 on the yeah. stack yeah. podcast. Hang so out for it. Hang out for that. Tune in for that. Uh, should be great. Uh, thank you so much for asking that. Really appreciate it. We're that. calling it the annual Nat Townsend Memorial uh, best <laughs> trades of the year. Uh, podcast. Uh, well, that said, we do have a question here from Brody Mullet over on YouTube. It says, with the first few months of New Year already solicited, what are some books you are looking forward to reading in early 2022? Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to, whether it's event-wise or otherwise? Um, I am excited about the uh, Marvel event where it's going to be... Um... Uh, Avengers uh, versus Eternals, and uh, they just released that it. it's called Judgment Day, which uh, should be interesting. Yeah, that was one of the best Terminator movies. Uh, I think. Yeah, agree. I I agree with you, Pete. Just on the level of what we were talking about before with Marvel, I just want to see Marvel hopefully come back in a big way in this year because I love Marvel and the fact that. We get books for the stack. and I, I mean, I the just, TV shows and movies are killing it. It's, they are killing it. And the books are good. They're solid. But I don't feel the same need to read them or the amount of them that I do from, say, DC right now. And not that I have anything against DC, right. but I want to see that like flip back and forth. You know, I like it when, oh, wait, Marvel is great again. DC is struggling a little bit and then DC pushes harder and they have this great push and pull. And right now DC is on the up for me and Marvel is on the down. And I just want to see that flip back again. And I think it will. I mean, uh, the, the daredevil run right now that Chip Zdarsky is doing and the devil's reign. Devil reign is fantastic. That feels very fun. Um, The X-Men world. I think I'm curious what happens in 2022 with X-Men. Like, Inferno's happening now. That's going to finish up. And then are we going to be in more of a middle? Or are we going to push through to the next thing and really get this big battle that has sort of been suggested from the early parts of, of the run? Yeah. We'll see what happens. This is from uh, Pablo Di Martinez. Have you seen the latest The Batman trailer? If you did, thoughts on how it looks? Guys? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of grabbing from Cat and the Bat right now in the comics, which is interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, you know I, I'm definitely going to check it out. It looks uh, you know from where it started, where it was like holy shit, this Batman just p- punches people and we don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, it, it's you know as more and more trailers come out, I'm getting more and more excited. Well, here's the thing. I feel like if we closed our eyes and listened to any Batman trailer, we'd be like, what, what year is this movie trailer from? Like, it's all sort <laughs> of one thing. So, like, that's fine. I think visually this movie looks very cool. And based on what I, we've heard about it, I think if this really is just like a Batman detective story with a bunch of, like, nasty fights, like, cool. That's that's a little different. If it feels Nolan-y at all, I'm like, not I don't want that um, anymore. I agree with you about the detective thing. That's a big thing that we haven't actually seen in the movies at any point. Because he's always like, I'm the world's greatest detective. Edward Nigma, he's probably at the Riddle exhibit at the museum. Figure it out. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's pretty yeah. much it. So if they are actually diving into the fact that the Riddler is the villain and there are going to be some puzzles here, that's great. I like you well, said the, the the cappuccino art alone. If we can explore that, I yeah. think we're going to get into like a lot. How does of he do that? Yeah, yeah. Where does he get his wonderful toys? Where does he get his wonderful fober? Is what I want to know. Uh, the the thing that sort of raised my alarm bells a little bit for this last trailer was the line where Bruce confronts Alfred and is like, "Why did you keep that secret from me?" And it seems like it's something about the Waynes, about his parents, and a. I was talking, I honestly don't remember. I was talking to somebody about this on Twitter, uh, being like getting, getting amazing Spider-Man two vibes off of it, where it's like everything you thought you knew about the Parkers is wrong. And I just, if it's something like they're not the saintly philanthropists you thought they were, they had to get involved in some of the dirty dealings of the city. That's fine. If it's, they were robot doubles who were killed and they're actually spies. I hate that. You know, yeah, so or they're we'll like, there's a court of owls thing to it. Maybe who knows? Like, my if it's self, if the tone is so self serious that it makes me literally ill, I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to not have that in anything really. Yes. Hmm. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, this is from Jolene. Y'all got any comic book New Year's resolutions? Doom Pod Troll for Stray. Uh, yeah, we already recorded the Doom Pod Troll, right? Didn't we talk about that? Yeah, we um, screamed we... it into a pillow at night. Yeah, uh, uh, three pillows next to each <laughs> other. We got together and screamed it. Into... We sleep in a three-person bed. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, God. we're sort of we have the Huey, Dewey, and Louie energy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. So, for sure, um, more podcasts. Is that the? Is that, yeah, that's more the podcasts. Answer, right? that's yeah, a, that's more podcasts. Yeah. Uh, um. Let's see. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. Was there a cocktail from the year that was your favorite? I know it did a lot of cocktails, but there was a cocktail Ooh. that stood out as favorites. Peak and Count Mountain Dew Vodka Iced Tea Things. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> favorite cocktail from the Me? year? <laughs> That's a perfect door for you to announce. Yeah, I mean, they're... vodka, ice, and question mark. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got a little goofy. Uh, I don't know how many weeks or months ago it was with the moonshine and the mountain dew that that really got me messed up for a little while but um uh yeah i mean the there i mean stray suggested a lot of great stuff um i i there was a lot of great creative things i don't like to mix like get too goofy but um you know uh you know uh yeah well you're right you're right but i mean it's the name uh, of your drink is goose juice well, there, you know, as long as you're having fun and uh, you know mixing things that you Drinking like, the it's, it's all juice, good. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. Uh, I forget the name of it, but there was a grapefruit-based cocktail that we did from the Gotham book that I really enjoyed. And author uh, Stray Bullet mentioned it here, but he invented a Pete Palmer, which I think Pete still has not made, which was delicious, and I drank that probably more than anything else. Uh, nice. Really, really good. It was an elevated. Um, uh, Arnold Palmer and vodka with a couple of other things in it. Very, very nice. Elevated. Uh, elevated. Uh, this is from Jolene. Why is MCU afraid of recasting characters nowadays? Because Letitia Wright is a danger and we need, kind of need Shuri and probably other characters recasted. 
Uh, what's your take on this situation, given our insider knowledge? Go ahead. A tough situation. If you don't know, she um, is anti-vax fully. She's not just unvaccinated. She's like anti-vax, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough. And I... That makes it hard to shoot a movie with her. Yeah. Uh, the... They... And it's... The irony of it is wild from a character perspective. Uh, but I, I think... Um, well, I mean, they don't want to recast because it changes the look of the movie. They want to put, I mean, that was just the, they will never try and recast it. They will work around an actor until it hits a breaking point, and then they will just pull that cord and, and recast. Um. Yeah, I mean, they should, I, I don't know. I mean, I was joking about insider status. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um. I think, as far as I know, they're uh fair way into shooting the movie at this point, the Black Panther sequel. I think, to be frank, given the shocking passing of Chadwick Boseman, I don't think they want to change another cast member, which is probably part of the reason that they're pushing so hard. I'd also imagine, and this is pure speculation, that there's probably a little bit of like, we think we can change your mind, you know, because they want to keep going with it. Uh, but well, and there's an incentive for her to keep working. Um, yes, exactly. So, and not just end up in movies with Dean Cain and Gina Carano for the rest of her life, you know. But 100%. the thing that at least I've heard, and apparently the situation is keep changing, but uh, is that they are looking to cut her at this point. But it's a obviously tricky situation, uh, you know, brought up that there's recasting like War Machine was recast. That was early in Marvel. This is a different yeah. thing. This is a different situation. And I don't think it's something they want to do if they don't have to. I mean, it's truly a miracle that Marvel has had to recast so few times. Like, it is uh, unbelievable they've been able to keep the consistency throughout all of these movies and TV shows that they have been able to. And it's only a testament to how just powerful they are in Hollywood that they're able to do that. Um, but I will also say on the side of recasting, they, the, the fact that they've shot part of the movie already means they probably won't. They may diminish her role more, but they have a lot of opportunity here because of the passing of Chadwick Boseman to make a larger creative choice where they could sort of move her out of the movie. But that's just also requires a lot of people agreeing at the same time. And that's something that is very hard when you're in the middle of making anything. Well, and frankly, because I've looked at a lot of conversation on Twitter there are a lot of people who aren't even necessarily anti-vaxxers who just think she is being targeted at this point. So there's a lot of discussion about that. I'm sure that's not necessarily from the production angle, but it is a minefield of a situation, unfortunately, with a lot of variables like you're talking about, Justin. We obviously can't really speak to it here on the show because we're not involved in that process. Uh, do I think they should recast her? Probably just for ease more than anything else. <laughs> You know, like Marvel has succeeded because they brought in team players. And if she's not being a team player, you got to make a choice there. But uh, again, ultimately, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we can't really talk to. So, we'll yeah, see. it's a bummer. We got one last question here. This is from Nat Townsend, not about trades of the year. But what are some of your favorite comic book club moments from the past 15 years? Let's try. I'm going to challenge you guys. And this is challenging me, too. Let's not bring up the same moments that we always bring up. Yes, oh. we always bring up the same moments. Well, what's funny is we have different, like, favorite uh, yeah. Uh, moments. Yeah, but we do always mention the same thing. So let's yeah. try. I mean, that's kind of our deal. 
I mean, I don't know if we have always brought this up since this is a relatively new one, but Pete revealing the Punisher quiz is definitely one of my absolute favorite moments on the show. And, and that was in, I think, the last show of the year we did, right? That yeah. was like a few years ago this very week when Pete revealed that. We were like, what? Yeah, you and for those of you who don't know, Pete was running, and I put this in quotes, a secret Punisher quiz for how long? Years? Five years. years. Five yeah. years. Five years. I had a uh, hidden Yeah, you had a little hidden prize, didn't tell anybody. Unlocked. And then the the secret phrase <laughs> to unlock it was I'd like to play the Punisher quiz. I, I think it was something like that. I like to take <laughs> I'd like to take the secret Punisher. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I was Honestly, uploading some of the older episodes and looking through and I was like, this was a crazy journey. <laughs> Honestly, the moment when you said that I, I've, I've very rarely laughed so hard because that is some crazy. I don't know anyone in the world that would do that, and I've never been so surprised on stage that you were expecting someone to say that phrase <laughs> to unlock a quiz that no one knew. Um, oh, I man, do man, agree man. with Edward Doherty. Uh, Kevin uh, Conroy's uh, story on her show uh, was really unbelievable, and the way he kind of told his nine eleven story. Yeah, it was very yeah. moving and very, uh, very, very cool. The fact that he kind of opened us up uh, uh, to that was pretty amazing. Um, I do think one of my favorite things as far as like when we did the live show and looking out and seeing the audience uh, was <laughs> this little girl who was hanging on every single word. I say little girl, she was 15, maybe 16, something like that. Um and her parents had like M&M store bags and stuff like that. And where they were all passed out. And there was this one person just like having the time of their life was just like one of those things that like. Out of town uh, fan of the show them. dragged her yeah. family to see us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. It's not one of our go-tos, but the moment when we did San Diego Comic-Con and we, um, we were right. Our comic book club panel was right before the Buffy sing-along panel mm-hmm. yeah. and we someone asked us like hey do you want to let people come in early for that we were like yes we do <laughs> and then we had the full it was hall h right wasn't it like no, the big no, no, hall? no it wasn't a hall h but it was a probably thousand seat room or something like yeah that. it was a thousand seat room it's a huge room and it was filled for our show and we had um uh chris hardwick harden his band harden firm on uh the show and we just, it was just a blast. We like talked to, we got to do the show for a thousand people who like, we got them. We, they got into the shows. Yeah. It was super. That was great. The, speaking of that, the, the us giving DC shit about their Snickers ads, like screaming over uh, like carton at, uh, at uh, DC. Yeah, this panel. was at the New York Comic Con special edition is what edition, I think yeah, they called yeah. it. Uh, the yep. one that was out on the pier. Um and they had those ads where it was like the left Twix, right Twix ads. Uh, yeah. We were doing the panel. We had a pretty full audience. DC was doing their panel with like James Tynan and a bunch of other people on the other side. And the only thing between it in these rooms was a curtain because they had set it up in like, I don't know, a warehouse or whatever it was. So at some point, somebody was like, hey, one of the audience questions was, what is up with those Twix ads? And we were like, we don't know. Why don't we ask DC? And we said, everybody at the same time say, hey, DC, what's up with the Twix ads? 
And so we did one, two, three, and everybody in the audience shouted it. And then on the other side from DC, they said, we don't know. <laughs> it was very fun. Very funny. Still good. A uh, lot, lot of love for Jordan D. White in the comments here oh, as well. Yeah. One of our very, uh, like we had him on him so many times, a great friend of the podcast, Marvel yeah. editor. Um, uh, let me also just say, like, we started doing this show randomly. We were all like young comedy people in New York, just like doing stuff, doing a million things all the time. And the fact that we still do this show and it's taken us on a million different journeys. We've met a bunch of people who are our heroes. We've uh, been able to talk to people who are just like super interesting, get make a little bit of money. Um, and the fact that we've been able to maintain it and maintain a friendship doing this is not easy. Having been <laughs> of other creative enterprises, where no one gets along anymore that's hard and uh so just shouting out the fact that we've been able to continue to do this is very rare and the dedication is that we do we commit to this show is i love that i truly yeah. love it me too thank you guys for continuing to do this i've i've had a great time that's it for uh, me uh, <laughs> <laughs> just got me in the wow. feels. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, Pete steam up his little oh, glasses. Oh, Stevie Pete. Stevie Pete. Stevie Pete. Uh, I got the eye steam on your glasses. Stevie Pete with the goop shoes. <laughs> All right, folks, that is it for your audience questions. Woo. And now we're going to turn it over to trivia and uh, the star of trivia, Pete LePage. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Pete. Feeling it, I love it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Today's trivia is on topical comic. Oh wait, we gotta get somebody uh, to do this here. <laughs> yeah. Completely mm -hmm. thrown. We would uh, need a, a volunteer, a first hand up, to win a gift card to Midtown Comics. They've been nice enough to uh, sponsor the show. Who wants to do trivia with Steamy Pete? Come on. <laughs> oh, Nat will do it. Here oh, we go. Nat will steam. Yeah. Great. All right. He's Inviting so Nat close. In. He's so close to getting to his uh, trades top top ten trades of twenty twenty one. Hello. Nat in the road. Were you were you completely nude one second? Ago? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I had my headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. What is, what is, wow. Let's get out of the right. we, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is that your pants draped over a chair behind I, this? Is... No, that's actually an apron from my oven that's unrelated. I was boiling mitts earlier. Ah, <laughs> callback. That's it. a great callback. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, uh, All right, great. Here we go. <laughs> all right, enough of that. On to business. Today's trivia is on topical comic news. And a small nod to the legend Leonard Hubbard, a.k.a. Hub. Rest in peace. Okay, please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Donny Cates is calling which fight the bleeping craziest fight Marvel Comics has ever seen? Is it A, Galactus versus Ghost Rider Doom, B, Hulk versus Thor, or C, Sterling K. Brown. So it's either A or it's B, Hulk versus Thor. Pete, you're right. A really difficult trivia question, but I got to say B. 
Nice. You are, you are yeah, correct. Nice. Really? You, you are correct. You. Congratulations. Here we go. Marvel is teaming up with whom for this first-of-its-kind crossover? Is it A, He-Man, B, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or C, Angie Martinez? So it's either A, He-Man, or it's B again, Teenage Mutant mm. Ninja Turtles. Mm. You know... Maybe it's just because that's, you know, my first and favorite comic, much like it is yours, Pete. But I got to say, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's very Great. exciting. A Marvel, you guys have TMNT so much in common. Crossover. Yeah. Unbelievable. Here we go. Andy Last one. So well. Matt, mm-hmm. the Hugh Hefner of Comic Book Club has entered. Oh, the boy. Building. Here we go. Last one. Michael Keaton is back playing Batman in which project? Is it a Batgirl? B, CSI Gotham, or is it C, Queen Latifah? So it's either A, which is the only one that makes sense, or you could go with B or C. I want it to be C somehow, obviously, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm learning that I believe that it's A. A is correct. Wow. Nice. dollars Oh, it's close. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh. Now, uh, Nat, have you figured out what the secret movie that Pete was hinting towards with his unfortunately past celebrity was? Uh, had Queen Latifah <laughs> in it? Uh, who, who, who else? Do, uh, does anyone, was anyone else paying attention? Angie Martinez no. and Sterling K. Brown. I don't know. I, I, I guess I got to say I, I don't know. Well, the, well, it is the unbelievable rom-com Brown Sugar. Definitely highly recommend. Wow, that's great. Thank you for highlighting that, Pete. And I'm excited uh, to see next week whether you're going to highlight movies from Senator Harry Reid, who uh, passed away while we were doing the show, uh, or John Madden, who also passed away while we were doing the show. That's a lot of of choices. So a lot of people. John Madden's been in some movies, Pete. You've got got Yeah, you got to do John Madden. Well, right. obviously, I'll do the replacements. I mean, come on. That's another great rom-com. That was really spoiled. Okay, I hope no one watches this next week who's watching this week. <laughs> like, That's great. Hey, Nat, just, enjoy hey, watching Brown Sugar. Uh, I believe Thank they have you, it at yeah. Midtown Comics. You're going to get a $25 yeah. gift card for there. Put some yeah, clothes on, that. on that. Yeah, hey, Happy New Year, Pete. And no. <laughs> Stay nude. Stay nude, baby. See you soon. Happy New Year. All right. Yeah, uh, there we go. But face that guy. Uh, by the way, if you would like to participate in trivia, I'll drop the link in the chat here. You can sign up in advance. But in the meantime, real quick, guys... I just imagine 15 years ago when we were like, someday Pete <laughs> will say Queen Latifah in his trivia section because he's trying to highlight a dead salute. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of things where you keep doing stuff and something weird's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, New comic books out this week. Very exciting choices. As mentioned on the stack, we're also going to be talking about some trades that you should definitely check out, some of the best trades of the year. But we are going to have some new comic book reviews at the same time. So what are you guys looking forward to, Pete? Well, i tell you what, one of my favorites of the year, Once in Future number 23, as well as Devil's Reign number two of six. Mm. Great. No further Uh, explanation. I'm going to shout out uh, DC versus Vampires number three, which is Ooh. out right now. Um, written by James Tynion the Fourth and Matt Rosenberg. JT four. 
JD4. Um, man, this book is good. It's like it's rooted right in superhero continuity and sort of a little more classic DC sort of Justice League uh, character base. But it's really fun and it's really horrifying and intense. There's a moment in this issue that came out today that I was like, whoo, it's great. Really great. I'm looking forward to Stray Dogs, Dog Days, number one from Image Comics. This is an anthology series about the dog characters from Stray Dogs. Uh, and it's the first of, I, I don't know if it's only two issues, but it's a shorter series. Um, I think it is two issues, yes. Yeah, that Tony Fleeks talked about back when he was on our live show. You know, some people might call the series a ripoff of Lady and the Tramp, which sounds crazy and nonsensical. Not Not me. real. And not real. It doesn't relate to it in any way. But in fact, no. uh, really exciting, uh, very different, very horror-inflected, but also fun anthology. And all of those are going to be in our Stack podcast that you can check out Wednesday 9 a.m. in the Comic Book Club feed, as well as its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show and our this live years. show this year. It's in the rearview mirror i want to thank lee durfee lavoy for being on the show check out just roll with it which is yeah, in stores now do. and is great yes. for kids of all ages next week we have Stu taylor is going to be here to talk about octobriana with love also you can check out marvel vision our marvel podcast just finished up talking about hawkeye as well as spider-man no way home very in depth both of those podcasts are live over there patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe listen and follow at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and more until 2022 good night everyone See you next year. Thanks, guys. Love you Take all. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. 15 more years, and that's it. Give me They sit on crappy couches, and they let the secrets leak. And occasionally,